Strap on your gesture caps, it's a tech edition of Where the Money Is. Afternoon everybody, I am Sean O'Reilly with the one and only Nathan Hamilton and we are talking tech today on this edition of Where the Money Is. How's it going Nathan? I'm doing pretty well, how are you? Not too shabby. Yeah, we're going to talk some AI. Got my Microsoft. Coffee. We're going to talk about the end of the world, a little bit of yeah. Microsoft. Maybe yeah. they'd have something to do with each other. I don't know. <laughs> Very, uh, I guess, uh, an interesting topic that a lot of people like to, you know, discuss the future. It's it's kind of making me nervous now because I'm not normally like, oh yeah, they, robots are going to destroy us all. But a number of smart people, including Stephen Hawking and Peter Thiel, have come out and said, oh yeah, AI could totally destroy us. I'm like, yep. oh, this is not good. Yep. But uh, anyway, taking a step back, first and foremost, we've got Microsoft, and uh, this isn't a huge line item on their balance sheet or their income statement, but mm -hmm. they just blew two, over $200 million. What happened? Essentially, in two years, they lost it. Um, so Barnes & Noble, they had a relationship with Microsoft for their Nook product, and the partnership was originally minted, I believe it was 2012, and Microsoft invested $300 million in a partnership right. with Barnes & Noble, and they sold that stake. I believe it, or, or they mentioned that the stake was sold recently. And let's see, this was for $62 million. Big loss. Womp womp. Um, first and foremost, taking a step back, this was obviously, I mean, Microsoft has billions upon billions of dollars on its balance sheet. Yeah, this dropping the like water. Dropping yep. you know, a C just to see if it grows into something. Why did Microsoft do this in the first place? So I think. You know, initially they wanted to get into the e-reader market. Right. Um, obviously, they probably had some some aspirations to get into, say, you know, introduce the Surface or the tablet market as well. Um, they obviously saw the success that Amazon was having. It yeah, Amazon have, and, and the about. iPad and so forth. Well, while the iPad and the Surface now aren't dedicated e-readers, you know, this was a market at a time. Barnes and Noble once had a quarter of the right. e-reader market. It used to be doing relatively well. Yeah, like and they it, wanted to spin it all. Like it was. Yeah. yeah, and I mean it was a profitable product. It is not any longer. But if you look at why Microsoft would want to be involved, um, you know, it gives them access to another market as a whole: mobile devices, tablets, and so forth. Um, Barnes and Noble also got into a relationship with Samsung, and it seems like Samsung, I guess, won <laughs> in this case. But um, you know, Samsung released a Galaxy Tab. Nook product. So and five times fast. Yeah, Galaxy Tab Nook. Yeah, yeah. we'll try. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think ultimately we don't know whether one was more successful than the other, but you have to look at the market as a whole. You know, market share wise for, for tablets, Apple obviously leads it in the most recent quarter about 12% market share. And then you've got Samsung right around 10% market yeah. share. So Barnes and Noble has a struggling e reader. What do we do? Do we go with Windows? where we know there isn't much of a market right now, maybe there will be in the future, Microsoft wants to get there, or do we go with Samsung and Android where we know we've got you know, consumers that want to use the Android operating system. Right. And I think maybe that's what we're seeing as to why nothing really came to fruition with Microsoft and the Nook, and probably why they sold it as a loss. Right. Um, so when I read the story first, I was like, oh boy, I'm surprised Barnes & Noble had that kind of money lying around. Um, <laughs> Not, not a knock on them at all. Yeah. But it is They've got it is. a little bit more. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, it is yeah. what it is. Um, why did they, yeah, they obviously bought it back for a lot less than they got for it a few years ago, but why did they buy it back? What are their plans for the future? Because they've got a certain amount of powder in the keg, and I mean, their back's kind of up against the wall. They're the last bookstore standing. What's the game plan here? What's the end game? I don't know why they bought it back, but I can tell you this in terms of what the plans are. Um, Barnes & Noble is spinning off their Nook division, also included within that division 
is their college textbook division, which, if we look at it, is profitable, is growing, right. and so forth. Um, but into early 2015 is when that's going to be spun off from Barnes & Noble. So this basically simplifies the ownership structure and just makes it easier to spin the stuff off. Yeah, you're essentially jettisoning this unprofitable nook. Right. Who knows what happens with it in the future. But you, you've got the, the textbook business, which will be part of the spinoff. Right. Um, seems to be growing at least somewhat at this point. Who knows what the long term is. But Got it. Okay, mm -hmm. very good. Well, moving on um, from a small line on them on a massive corporation's balance sheet as a loss to uh, the end of mankind, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Stephen Hawking recently came out, and uh, despite the fact that it's really helped him with his speech pattern recognition software that he uses to communicate with the rest of us now, um, he recently came out and said that AI could uh, spell the end of the human race. So uh, could you give people a little bit more detail and tell me, is it yeah. Skynet? Is it the Terminator <laughs> coming to get me? Is it HAL? Like, what do I need to be looking out for? You know, it's, I don't know if we're the experts to say on it, but, you know, there are a lot of people that have come out, futurists, and, and mentioned. Right. Um, you know, well, some Peter Thiel had multiple, like, yeah. tweets or something that he came out with, and then they took him down. Elon Musk, stuff. Elon Musk yeah. has, has as well. I, so. I actually watched this uh, uh, interview with Elon Musk, him also, and... Uh, they were like, oh, do you think we need to go to Mars to avoid the AI? And he's like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure the AI would come get us there, too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting, though, if you think about it. You know, potentially that could be in the future. Hawking came out and said, you know, I don't know if it's so hard as ruin mankind, but looks at the potential of the future. Everything we, we learn about and everything, you know, people have concerns about, that's essentially what he was right. pointing to. But and this isn't a new <laughs> idea. They made oh, movies no, no, no. like the Terminator about it. Like, let's, yeah. you know, anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go and I, I mean, the thing is, looking at it, what's happening now? Yeah. You know, is this reality? Hawking mentioned this isn't anything in the next decade or two. It's, it's definitely further on down the road. But, you know, if we look at it, there's some interesting ha things happening in tech. So first off, Amazon. Amazon came out recently and mentioned that they're on their eighth iteration of their fulfillment centers. And if you've ever seen the pictures or, or videos yeah. of the fulfillment centers. Like towers or something. Yeah, I mean, you've got the robots it. navigating around and so right. forth. And what they do is um, the newest iteration um, goes through a company called Kiva Systems or Kiva Robotics, can't remember the, the exact name, but um, essentially it's a, a picker, and anybody watching on video can, can see the image that we put up there, but it scans barcodes on the ground, you know, picks up the items that you or I have ordered online, picks them, delivers them, you know, helps the whole fulfillment process, and this is a, a completely autonomous robot. Right. Now, if you look at it, what does this mean for AI? You know, it's definitely a, uh, the groundwork for that. It's not a complete... Um, so you're talking about scanning a barcode and yeah. moving along on wheels and then yeah. picking it up and that's it. I mean, it, it does learn. The robot does know what it's doing, uses the algorithms to do that. And that's all the basis of AI. And, you know, even if you go as simply as, you know, type away on your phone and you've got your predictive text. Yeah. That, that's part, partly involved. Yeah. And, and that stuff has been happening for some time. Um, you know, predictive analytics for companies that use them. IBM's big into big data. Um, we've also got Google. So right. Google bought out Boston Dynamics, the robot company. And people may have seen uh, the various robots and so forth, but I recall one of the videos where um, the guy kicked the robot as it was walking by to send it off balance. Uh -huh. And the robot could use algorithms and learned how to rebalance itself. Oh, wow. So, yeah. you know, those sort of things are what we see as the base of AI in the future. So, not saying, you know, 
Stephen Hawking's prediction is closer than what may perceive, right. but you know there are steps being taken right now by tech companies that could lay the base for that. You know, I'm not a futurist. Won't say what's going to happen to mankind as a whole, but yeah, um, you know, we'll see. I was actually uh, when uh, uh, Elon Musk actually originally said his comments, I um, uh, started researching just like what other people thought about this stuff, and that um, physicist and uh, futurist Akio Kaku. He came out mm -hmm. and said, okay, currently robots, you do not need to worry. They have the intelligence of a cockroach right yeah. now. So do I fear a cockroach? No. Could I in, I don't know, 50 years? Maybe. But the <laughs> pace of innovation in technology, you have to see the advances that, you know, even two years ago, now they're just normal. Right. You know, and things that are happening now and a year from now, you know, where they seem groundbreaking now and a year from now will be normal. And that pace just completely, you know, moves exponentially. So... Yeah, we'll right. see. Okay, so uh, last before we uh, finish up here. Easier um, topic. Yeah, much <laughs> easier topic. Actually, just to kind of make everybody feel better because yeah. obviously the end of the world's coming thanks to robots. But in the meantime, you can sprint, uh, cut your cell phone bill in half, <laughs> I hear. Good segue to, yeah, to that. Yeah, I, I try. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, Sprint came out recently and announced a, a very aggressive plan for, for subscribers. And to they're throwing down the gauntlet here. Basically. Yeah, to summarize it best, uh, the CEO came out in the press release and said, "It's as simple as this: bring your bring your Sprint or Verizon bill along with your phone, and we'll cut your rate plan in half." Okay, game over. Yeah. So what's happening specifically is you can bring your phone into um, into Sprint and receive up to three hundred fifty dollars in an early termination fee on top of having the same data plan, but yet fifty percent cheaper. Right. And, uh, of course, you might ask, oh, how long is that going to last? I did research it, and it turns out that this will be as good for as long as you stay at Sprint. So that's a win. As good for as long as you stay at Sprint, but it's not available to existing Sprint customers. Aww. So I'm sure there will be some backlash there. But, right. you know, I guess just looking at it beyond the actual plan, you have to see why is Sprint doing this. Um, you know, they we've talked about it a few yeah. times on the tech show, but they're bleeding subscribers. You know, they have to do something to bring right. in subscribers. Hopefully they can pivot on price and get some subscribers through the door to sign up. But now, uh, my one question with this before we wrap up here was: um, you get what you pay for. We've mm. talked about how between the four major carriers, Sprint is the laggard in terms of network quality. Sure. And customer service and value, customer, uh, all those, all, all those uh, metrics, every possible thing you can possibly imagine. Um, T-Mobile's obviously caught up, as I understand it, yep. more or less. Made very significant headway. Is this just getting what you pay for, and they won't actually make any money off of this? Like, where does this lead them competitively? So it seems to me, starting up for yeah. if it, it seems to me like they really need to up their quality before they can start trying to steal customers, because people do not want to deal with not being able to call people in 2014. Mm -hmm. You know, whether one comes before the other, you know, who knows? T-Mobile is a good example as well. Um, they didn't have the best network when they started pivoting on pricing, and they went very aggressive. And, and they've definitely seen some successes recently. In fact, you know, looking at passing Sprint in total subscribers by the end of this year, um, and their network has improved significantly. So, you know, could Sprint do the same thing? They've got the financial backing of SoftBank, and you know, they can move on price get people through the door. Obviously, no matter what, people love cheap service. Right. The value proposition absolutely has to be there. And that can come with time. But okay. definitely, it's a huge investment into Spectrum, into infrastructure for, for their network to improve it. They've got the Spectrum on their balance sheet. 
but they need to essentially pump the cash into improving the network. Right. Um, before we finish up here, have you caught wind of SoftBank saying, you know, we just we're fully aware that we just got sixty billion dollars, you know, from a recent IPO and all this stuff. Are they going to put any more money into network quality at all? I haven't heard, no haven't come across too many of the plans, but you have to you kind of have to guess that's part oh. of the equation. Yeah, I, I can't imagine a scenario where Sprint doesn't put a lot of money into improving their network. Got it. Very, very good. Well, before we wrap up, I did want to inform all of our viewers and listeners uh, that, uh, you know, Winston Churchill once said that to improve is to change and to perfect is to change often. And with that in mind, uh, Where the Money Is will be changing its name to Industry Focus. As all of you know, every day of the week we have a different industry focus within the Where the Money Is umbrella. We're just shifting the name of the show to Industry Focus and then on, for example, Tuesdays, Consumer Goods, on Fridays, Technology. And uh, same great content, same uh, bad jokes, I guess. Same you and I doing it same, all the time. Same you and me. Yep. yep. Very good. Talking about the end of the world. <laughs> uh, but uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week under the new umbrella of uh, Industry Focus and Full On.